107.7 Berwick FM. I'm Theo. The time is three past two, and this is Newspeak, the best, the only political discussion show on Berwick FM, your student sound. Today we've got a slightly unusual format for you wonderful people. We would normally have, you know, a couple of topics, a couple of guests, banter around for a bit, end on a nice little question. But this week we're going to have... A slightly more relaxed vibe, you know? We just just want to set the scene. You imagine you're a nice evening out with some friends. Imagine you're relaxing, you've had dinner, you've had pizza or whatever. You're just unwinding with a couple of drinks in the living room around the campfire. We're going for that kind of atmosphere today, you know? Throwing, discussing some relaxed late-night politics. And joining me for this conversation is the one and the only Matthew. Matthew, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. That's great yeah. to hear. How's your day been? Uh, full of work and reading, so mixed <laughs> that, that sounds like a very normal day yeah uh, i'm glad to hear and uh matthew what tell us a little bit about yourself what do you study where are you from uh, so i'm a third year studying politics and international relations Woo. i'm from york so yorkshire forever <laughs> <laughs> the correct side of the uh, what those is there uh, uh, all the things to say about myself not much really <laughs> that's fair well we have decided to show magnanimity as the Lancashire lot in inviting this filth of the Yorks over onto our show. And we hope mm. that he reciprocates with some quality discussion points. And um, like, I, like I said, you know, imagine we're, we're sitting back with a couple of drinks, you know, drink responsibly, please, or not drink, don't drink at all. And uh, we, we're just getting on to some kind of, you know, moving on to some deeper topics. We've spent the evening talking about the wife and the kids, you know, that kind of stuff, Matthew. And uh, now we're thinking a little bit more deeply, but... Before we move on to that conversation, I'm going to throw a few quick-fire questions at you, just so just so our audience can get to know you a little bit better. Um, so, so first question, burgers or hot dogs? Depends on my mood. Uh, I think I usually go for a burger. Okay. Good burger, cheese, onions. If I'm feeling healthy, some lettuce in there too. Ooh, okay, I see. You know, flexing on us. Um, singing or dancing? Uh, neither. I wouldn't, I wouldn't inflict that on the world. <laughs> I, 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 I put that question thinking he's not going to say either and bang on the money. Living room or kitchen? Um, hmm. For what? I don't know, living room or kitchen? That's a very vague question. Uh, it is. So if I had to choose between the two and I could never enter one of those rooms again, I'd choose the kitchen simply because that's where the food is and I like eating food occasionally. Yeah, okay, fair enough. YouTube or Netflix? YouTube, it's free. This is true. Uh, which is better, big tech or big oil? Um, I'd have to go with big oil, simply because I think their product is more useful. Interesting. You know, I, use, I use oil more often. It's in everything. What, are you just sitting there sipping oil? Just no, no, it's like I use it. It's in plastic, which is everywhere. I use it to get around. I was on a bus today, so I was oil. Oil yeah. is just great. It's everywhere. It's brilliant. <laughs> I, I can live without big tech. I don't think I can live without big oil. Okay, okay. No, I mean, you make a compelling case. Uh, capitalism or socialism? Oh, definitely socialism. If it's implemented properly, that is. Mm, yeah, yeah. It's always, oh, if it's, it's never been implemented properly yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, right. I think we'll go with social democracy Norway model. Okay, I mean, that's not the question. The question was capitalism or socialism. Yeah, but it's more socialist than capitalist, so. Yeah, but I, we're not saying in the middle. We're saying pure, unfiltered socialism. Oh, I'm being a nuanced centrist here, <laughs> rather than going to the extremes. That's not. That's my position. You can't be the nuanced centrist on the show. That's meant to be me. Um, and final question, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk? Ugh. Well, I want to say neither again. Well, if I have to choose between them, uh, Jeff Bezos, I mean, you, you know he's evil. <laughs> Whereas Elon Musk, he tries to say that he's a nice and a friendly chap, but... Yeah, yeah, you know, I get you, I get you. Okay, that's fair, that's fair. And and that kind of brings us on to, you know, like what um, we've had recently in the news, Prince William saying, you know, essentially implying criticism of these big space billionaires 
uh, SpaceX, Blue Origins, and, and, and Richard Branson's, uh, I forget the name of his, uh, Virgin Space Operation. I mean, is it wise? Do you think it's right, dude, to 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 be, um, you know, including dude because it's a more relaxed show today? Uh, do you think it's right, dude, to be exploring space at a time when the climate crisis is one of the most pressing catastrophes humanity's ever faced? Well, you're talking to a massive science fiction fan, soon to watch Star Trek pretty much every day. So, <laughs> my views here are quite heavily influenced by that, and I'm going to say, yeah, it's completely right. We're exploring space. Okay. I think all the resources that are out there, things that we could use. You know, maybe a whole new energy source, completely clean. But it will be. But surely it will be years before we're able to to utilise that energy source anyway. Well, that's the case of any technology. It'll be years before we crack nuclear fusion. I still think we should be working on that. Yeah, or but years till we get cheap batteries, which last more than ten years. But both of those things directly contribute to the climate crisis. Whereas you know, years of speculative, speculatively exploring new resources, they're you know, like they they don't they don't give us a return on our current problems very quickly. Not quickly, but I think this is just a long-term solution. And no matter what, I think space is the future of humanity. I think we are, we've explored this planet, it's time to move out and beyond. But how are we going to be able to do that if we're unable to you know, conquer our own problems at home? Shouldn't we, shouldn't we explore space on a united front and say, you know what, we are one people rather than currently nation-states carving up bits of extraterrestrial territory? Well, I think that space travel could actually be a way of uniting it. So it looked like the ISS, that's a uni- union between... Russia and the US. And that's mm. unthinkable on Earth, but it's possible in space. This is I mean, true. I think that space is such a hostile environment, you have to cooperate with other countries there. But I suppose China are landing kind of, you know, probes, droids on the dark side of the moon. Um, they've clearly copied it from the third Transformers film. And, um, you know, like, that shows they're not willing to cooperate. Possibly, but we will see where that goes. Mm. I mean, when, if a Chinese space station is called the Mir or something like that, if that gets into difficulty, will they ask for help from the ISS? I think it's quite obviously it will, and it'll obviously be provided. Mm. I think that'll happen vice versa. But I suppose also going back to Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, you have uh, a kind of, you know, these multi-billionaires who have vast resources. Bill Gates using them, you know, Melinda, uh, formerly Gates, uh, plan- uh, you know, distributing these resources through uh, the Gates Foundation for malaria and AIDS research and climate change. Whereas Bezos is like, uh, you know, I'm bald and I want to go to space. Those two facts are unrelated, but uh, but he, he he's not throwing his money anywhere that's valuable. Well, first of all, I see the assumption that space travel isn't valuable. Mm. And I think that the research and development that are being done by these companies is necessary, things that the US government won't fund it anymore. But then that assumes that, is that not because the US government's got better things to be spending its money on, such as a climate crisis? Well, we're not doing much in that regard either. I think it's that the US government is just so terrified of spending money on anything that isn't the military right now. Mm. They've got no choice but to not fund this. You know, I was um, did a little bit digging yesterday, as is my want, and uh, I found that, you know the fictional dragon Smaug from... Yeah. And he said Harry Potter. That's not right from the Hobbit. Hobbit, yeah. And uh, <laughs> quite, you know, quite an unpleasant dragon uh, lives on under a mountain in halls and halls of gold, which sounds like a fairly nice life. Some ec- economists did a few calculations and worked out Smaug is the second richest fictional character in you know in literature, and he's still not as wealthy as Jeff Bezos. Mm. Who's the richest character? Scrooge McDuck. Ah. Yeah, I know. Oh, no, no, it's not Scrooge. It's, is it Scrooge McDuck? Might be Donald Duck. I wasn't really anyway, paying attention. That's, that's, not, that's not a relevant to the question. That's just an interesting I, side I th- note. Yeah, I think he has almost infinite money. But back to the main point, which is Smaug, 
you know, sh- sh- by that, that's a way of kind of, I think, yeah. co- comprehending mm-hmm. Jeff Bezos as well. And yet, is it not kind of a, a moral disregard for him to be spending it so intently on on something that doesn't directly benefit anyone? Indirectly, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But surely he could have a much more impressive, much more meaningful impact by investing money into lobbying the government to uh, crack down on consumption of plastics, uh, mm-hmm. by investing on cl- carbon capture technologies, by... Um, in, investing in, in electric cars. Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and defend Jeff Bezos's wealth. I mean, I saw something <laughs> on Reddit. I don't know if it's true. It was something like, if you were at $5,000 an hour every hour since 1776, you still wouldn't have as much money as he does. So You would still have quite a lot of money, though. Yeah, you'd have a lot, but not as much as he does. What so. would you spend that sort of money on? I think going to space, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that kind of money, it's incomprehensible. Yeah, what, no, what it is. What can you spend that kind of money on? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you're getting into, like... What's the po- I, I mean, not to maybe, maybe Mr. Bezos is very happy and is indeed fulfilled, but I mean, at that point, do you not start thinking, well, I can't spend my money on things? I suppose mm. that's the thing. He's spending his money on space and, and lobbying. I, I, to be honest, I reckon he's not about the money for him anymore. I think money is a mark of his success. And for him, it's like, I'm ahead of all my competitors. This is how I measure it through money. Mm. You know, I think he definitely should use that money for better use. And I think if he's not willing to do it, I think governments should step in and ha- have higher taxes. Oh, that's but Well, because, of course, one thing that's worth noting is that his wealth comes from shares and stocks and assets mm. rather than wages. So he does not have $50 billion in his bank account. Yeah. And that is actually quite important to note. So, so I mean, the taxation route, what good does that do? Because all it, all it means is he's reluctant to give up his money, so he's less likely to spend it on any kind of beneficial project. I just think... <laughs> And we know from the Pandora Papers that he's willing and, well, not Bezos, we must stress it's not implicated in the Pandora Papers, but rich figures in that similar, you know, vein of society are willing to, to avoid paying taxes by through very complicated schemes. I mean, maybe it's just my idealism, but I do think there has to be a way of making them pay their fair share. Mm. Whatever it is, people with bigger brains than I do can figure it out. People who have studied <laughs> economics for more than a year and they pay more attention <laughs> to it can figure it out, but... There has to be some some way of getting their money into a more productive use because even if it's just in stocks, shares and houses, mm. that's not helping the economy either because it's not moving about, it's not providing services or anything like that. Mm. No, I understand I understand that point, but I suppose at least it's being moved into something and the alternative is higher taxation, but we kind of know that that's a moot point, that it doesn't arrive in any way to, to support... Um, to, to support children's education or to support infrastructure building and, and, and all the other things that taxation goes towards. You know, taxation is theft. What? Who said that? That's a very unoffcon thing to say on it. But um, the, uh, how, how effective is it? Right now, not very, admittedly. Mm. The rich are just, they're just too powerful. There's too many ways to get around it. But I, I maintain that there has to be a solution somewhere. And if we accept the status quo, then... Well, this discussion is fruitless because even if you do think that he's wasting his money on space flights, mm. he's putting his money in. So if you take it purely from a realistic point of view, but we can't tax him because he'll avoid this. Well, we can't force him to put this money into philanthropy and stuff like that. So it doesn't matter whether we agree with him sending in his money to so space or we, not. We can't force. Doesn't government have a range of options between forcing and not forcing? Are there ways in which we can encourage giving or create a moral imperative to give, such as Andrew Carnegie or John Rockefeller, who gave millions to philanthropy mm. I mean surely there is more more options than just kind of 
you must pay taxes you must pay taxes or you don't have to pay taxes i think those are the exceptions rather than the rule okay i think it's far more likely that someone who's rich isn't going to care that much Mm. Well, even if they do care, they're not going to take a huge amount of action to solve the problems. What makes you say that? It's just, well, I look around the world today, we have the richest individuals in history, and there's so many problems out there, and they haven't done anything about it. I mean, even ones that have tried to help, like you know, Bill Gates and the like, their impact has been fairly limited. I just think that a government able to tax heavily and effectively will be able to do more good than, a, than an individual will ever want to do. Will it? Well, hopefully. I mean, again, because you're also basically saying government is more trustworthy than the individual, which is not too radical a statement here in the UK, but in the US, that that might be a genuine discussion point. Actually, you know, the US is, is built on this idea of liberty. Is the government able to uphold liberty or is it actually a denial of freedom? Wow, this is interesting. I talk about my uh, reading today was all about liberty. Yeah, you know, go on. negative and positive liberty. Oh, as I Berlin. Exactly, yeah. So negative liberty, just being the freedom from the state to do what you want. Positive liberty, more about the ability to do something. Mm. And in that case, who gives people the ability to do something? The state. Mm. So I, I don't have the ability to buy a yacht, but I'm free to, in theory. I've yeah. got a negative freedom to do that, but I don't have a positive freedom to do that. So, so the state, in denying some freedoms, can also open up other freedoms. Yeah, for in, all the people who are less fortunate. Yeah, so like uh, Abraham, you know, Daniel Day-Lewis says at the end of the film, Lincoln, uh, in denying some freedoms, he's talking to the slave-owning South, you may find other freedoms open to you. So denying yeah. the freedom to own slaves, or the reverse, may give you freedom from, um, well, certainly gives the slaves freedom from bondage and poverty and, and oppression, uh, and may give the economies themselves freedom to more fully operate in democracy. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, do, you, do you agree with kind of Berlin's understanding of, of liberty? I mean, I think the distinction is less clear than he wants it to be. I mean, I don't have my notes with me, which is a bit annoying, because there's, there's another thing, I can't remember his name, but he, he, just, he described thinking of freedom in three ways. So you think of the agent, so mm-hmm. the person who is subject to that freedom, the barriers to that freedom, be it uh, the state, economic, social, yeah. whatever, and then the ways to get around those barriers. And he said you can think of any freedom you want, that's how all, all those three aspects of it will be part of it. So if you take like, freedom of speech, the person being limited by usually a state or social pressure, being removed by, I don't know, something like, I can't think of a good example here, some of just the speaking anyway. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So go over those three again. So you have the agent? The agent, the barrier to that freedom, and this third one, I'm not convinced if I remember this correctly, but I think it's the way around it, okay. around that barrier, I think. Yeah. I might be wrong. Okay, so those three elements are the elements in play and freedom. Yeah. But of course, who decides what freedom is? Well, that's just a definition. I mean, I think, well, Mill described it as um, doing, being able to pursue your own good, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. So, well, I guess I'll stick with Mill then. I yeah, I, I suppose what, in the context of, you know, agent barrier opportunity to avoid the barrier, who decides what the barrier is and where the opportunity is. Is that in the person? Does the person get to decide that? Does the law get to decide that? Um, I don't know, to be honest. It's been <laughs> a while since I thought about it. No, it's all right. It's all right. And yeah, but, but so to go back to the original question, can the government be trusted to uphold liberty? Yes. I think democracy is made up of the people and the people will not want to restrict their own rights and freedoms. So I think it's a lot easier for a collective to uh, stand up 
and say, I don't want this happening to me, so therefore I'll band together with these people. Mm-hmm. Sure, but it doesn't happen, rather than trusting a tyrant. You know, I think that's why liberty is protected in democracies, where it's not really protected in, a, in authoritarian regimes. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of any authoritarian regime which can be described as liberal. Because, because collectively the people are saying, we voluntarily give up some liberty to protect other liberties. Yeah, and that there's always a constraint on the state. Yeah. If the state attempts to limit those liberties, they will be removed from office. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's always that, that measure in place to ensure that liberty is protected. Is liberty the highest thing in a person's life, though? Mm. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So like a choice between having liberty or having bread on the table. Yeah. Bread on the table comes first, but once that has been achieved, liberty comes next, I think. Are you sure? Because a lot of people have died for liberty. Yeah, and a lot of people have died from starvation. So, <laughs> yes, good point, actually. So, yeah, it, it's a really tricky one. But I think if you look at the Arab Spring, that was people deciding they wanted bread on the table. They weren't liberty. Never mind, they weren't <laughs> completely. But, uh, so so I, I, but it tugs at a bigger question is, are there things, uh, can values be superior to the needs of our bodies and the world? You know, sometimes is it worth uh, hunger strikes... Um, for instance, by Gandhi, or more recently by Alexander Valny in in Serbian prison. You know, are there times when it is right to give up food, when it is right to suspend life itself in the pursuit of further values? I think the difference is they're choosing to give up their food. Okay. Whereas they've got yeah, they've got the liberty to do so. But for some people, if it's a choice between you know, backing an authoritarian regime and having a guarantee that there will be food on the table at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Or risking everything on a vague notion of democracy and maybe not having that food. I think people in general will choose the food. Should, they, I mean, they want to survive, to live to fight another day. Because a democracy, that can happen in your lifetime. Yeah. But if you shorten that lifetime, it's a lot less likely to happen. No, that's true. And, but, but you know, is it, can, it be right to, can it be right to make the choice actually the vague notion of democracy is better than food? Yeah, they can make that choice. I'm but... asking you to make a moral judgment because I think you're well enough equipped to give it. Right. Do you, do you think those people should and, and it is worth making that decision for for democracy? I think it's more interesting to say, would I do it? What would you do? Would I do it? Mm. It's easy to sit here and say, yes, I would definitely <laughs> fight for my ideals and get, get, go on the hunger strike, but it would depend. For me personally, it would have to be quite a bad regime yeah. Yeah. I like democracy. It works quite well. <laughs> As Churchill put it, it's the least worst option. But yeah. if it's a choice between guaranteed food on the table and survival and liberty, yeah, I think I'd probably go for guaranteed survival. It's hard as well because in authoritarian regimes, uh, you know, the regime deliberately makes the idea of liberty or democracy quite disparate so it's mm. very hard to have a concrete aim when you have a concrete aim when you have a concrete alternative excuse me my hearing issues with when you have a concrete alternative you can say this is what we're fighting for this is what i'm suspending my, myself mm. for but when you know uh, otherwise in what way can you pro- if you don't have a clear way to protest or to fight for your rights it's very difficult to, to make a choice yeah I think that's where the difference lies. In a democracy, there is a clear way of protesting. Yeah. That's why liberty is protected. But in an authoritarian regime, it's so difficult to have that peaceful way of protesting. I mean, it all, always ends up in either a revolution or a civil war. Mm. I think of those kind of situations, you have to ask yourself, have you done the right thing? I mean, if you look at, say, Syria, 
Yeah. Has has the Arab Spring had a positive effect on Syria? No. Exactly. I mean, and even in Sudan, where the military has yeah. recently thrown a coup to counter coup the civilian government or mm. the transitional government uh, to to take command of the country, was it worth it? Well, I suppose on a results based way of looking at it, no. But is a results based way of looking at it the best way to look at it? You know, is freedom yeah. in and of itself worth something? It's like when you go and protest for refugees in the street. You know your protest might not have that much of a difference, but it is intrinsically valuable to protest, to exercise your right. Mm. Yeah. What's the question again? Um, you know, yeah. I that is a good, <laughs> good question. You know, is results the only way of ah, judging? Yes. Um, it's the only measurable way of judging. And really? I think... It's very difficult to have like a uh, principles-based argument on value. I mean, what's worth more, um, freedom of speech or freedom of religion? You know, those two things are inherently linked, and the values are inherently linked. Yeah. It's very difficult to make those kind of which which value is more valuable. And I think if you're looking at it from like a empirical perspective, a results-based perspective, it's a lot easier to analyse. I mean, I think one of the things that we were talking about uh, morality mm. last, uh, a couple of years ago in philosophy and how utilitarianism is all about results based. It's for maximum good for the least amount of harm. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm simplifying with other elements to it too. As I found out to my cost after writing an essay without reading the entire book. But... Oh, I remember you telling me this. <laughs> yes. Do you want to tell the nice people at home what you did? Yeah, so first year, uh, there was an essay on Mill's utilitarianism and uh, we got up to about chapter six in the lectures and then well, I, I didn't read the last chapter, uh, wrote my essay. Uh, my whole point was that it would uh, remove justice from the system. Handed it in, got the feedback saying, chapter seven quite clearly deals with this justice matter <laughs> and quite clearly disproves your uh, argument there. So, top tip to all students out there, make sure you read the entire book before they <laughs> uh, making conclusions. What, what grade did you get? Uh, that was D, D or something like so that. So you still did okay, considering yeah. you missed an entire section of the yes. book. That's not bad. A generous marker. Yeah, yeah, but was it... Um... Uh, oh, was it the McLeod? Hmm? Was it? Uh... Uh, I think so. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, that's his stuff. Lovely chap. He's a good man. He is a good man, and uh, I like his long hair. Mm. I wasn't sold on it at first, but it's it's growing on me. Yeah, I judge him based on his ideas as a mm. modern man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, but this question of freedom versus reality is really, really mm. interesting. I want to on it a bit more. You know, would you? Do you think, let's say it really is a clear choice. Right. There's no kind of context, there's no case study here. You have a choice between you can eat and surrender freedom or you can be free but surrender, but you will die because you can no longer eat. And there's no context to that question whatsoever. There's no context. So I don't know how bad the situation is eating. I don't know how bad the situation is eating. So the choice is death or... Maybe death a bit later. No, the question is living and no freedom. Now, my point is with that, if you live, and but it's really, really bad, and that could quite easily lead to death. Right, if you're like a, an ultra-authoritarian regime where if you do anything, you like walk on the right instead of the left, I, you get I'm, shot. I'm saying, I'm saying this, you're, de you're, you're deliberately not leaning into the spirit of this, Matthew. <laughs> I'm saying if you, if you choose to eat, you will lose freedoms granted to you in in the UK, mm. let's say, but you will live. You will live a fairly standard life. Nice. Okay. 
whatever that looks like. If you choose freedom, you will be free, but you will die because you, you no longer have access to food. It's The point is you're making a choice. Okay. This is not a case study. You're, I'm asking you to decide, are there values higher than, than life itself? In a specific situation which you've outlined, and without the context necessary to make an informed judgment, so I object to the question once again, I will say that I will go with survival. On okay. the basis that at least that way you're living to fight another day. No, 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 no. There's no fighting another day. This is no, it. No, my point is if you can always make that choice later, though. If you're living right, but this is so this, you're, you're committing me to a lifetime of this. Where I am, in reality, I am. That, I could just change your mind halfway through. I'm asking you: Are there values higher than life itself? That's really the question. Right. Well, answer to that question, I think yes. Okay, so you would be willing to die for those values? Some values, yes. Such as? Well, I think I think national sovereignty. Okay. It's very important. I think that's one value I, well, every soldier out there is willing to die for, yeah. I suppose. Uh, maybe it's a romantic view. Yeah. You know, the noble struggle against a foreign oppressor. The European Union. No, I'm joking. No, nah, no. Nah. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah. But I think for some of it, because I've never lived in a non-liberal society, never lived without freedom, it's very easy for me to sit and say I could live without it. So, mm. I for that, that's going to cloud my judgment slightly, but... Mm. At the moment, I would prioritise survival over okay. over liberty. Okay. It's interesting because it, it's a very profound question. Yeah. Are there values higher than life itself? I think there must be. I think if you have any kind of religious faith as well, you're saying there's something higher than life itself as well, aren't you? Yeah. Um, because if, if people aren't willing to die for democracy or sacrifice everything for democracy, actually then, then it's worthless. It's a hollow system built on a bluff. I wouldn't say it's worthless or it's on a hollow bluff. It's that it's not the most valuable thing out there. It's like, um, <clears throat> but you're saying you'd rather keep living than defend democracy. No, I'm saying I'd rather li keep living than die for democracy. No, sorry. I, I mean, in this context, say a foreign, you know, a non-democratic country invaded, you you would fight, I suppose, for national sovereignty. Yeah. But you're also fighting because you're saying our system of government is better than the alternative. L let's rephrase it to uh, let's say that Boris Johnson. Or someone of that, that, or any politically. Let's say it's Jeremy Corbyn too, just have some political balance yeah. here. Decides to uh, take over the country and abolish all democracy and elections forever. Yeah. And impose themselves as a lifetime leader. Would I go out and die for that? I mean, I think I would definitely wait and see what happened. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I suppose the Civil War is a better example. Or the American yeah. Civil War where, you know, the, the slave-owning South decided they didn't like the result of the 1860 election when Lincoln was elected president. And so left and broke away from the union and fought for that yeah and lincoln and the union said actually that's not how democracy works you have to deal with the decision suck it and fought and died for for so that american democracy would be protected and would be enshrined mm. so in that case they were saying there was something higher than their life which was the preservation of the union and the democracy that, that union was built on yeah i mean there's, there's more complex issues with the civil war i mean go on for one thing, the whole nation of self-determination, can the region declare itself independent from a larger, from a larger state? I mean, is, is it democratic to refuse a nation or a state? Because it's, it's 1860 America. Mm. There's, there's a huge amount of state sides moving right now. Imagine what it was back then when everything was very separate. There wasn't a huge amount of unionism towards it. Yeah. I mean, the railways hadn't even been built, or at least not much of the railways yeah. hadn't been built. Yeah, so it was, it, was a, it was these United States rather than the United yeah. States. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. But I think that the, the direct 
trigger for them breaking away was the election in which an yeah. anti-slave yeah anti-slave owner individual was elected and they thought they were going to lose their mm. rights yeah so <clears throat> it's it's an intriguing question we want to know what you guys listening think are there values you know higher than life itself are there is are there things worth laying down your life for while we have a think on that i'm going to play another song and give matthew a little breather from this verbal torture that he's been going through and uh, we're going to play paradise by george uh, ezra because that's what we're living in right now or so mm. his high and greatest government tell us <laughs> 